Welcome to Makers Chat, a podcast community for creatives. I'm your host, Danielle Kaminsky, artist, maker, and educator from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Join me as we share our stories and explore the topics that are most important to creative entrepreneurs and makers. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. I am here today with my friend and mentor, Ms. Dion Woods from the Turquoise Iris. I know many of you know her, but if you don't, I cannot wait for you to hear more about her and hear her story today. I'm super excited. Thank you for being here, Dion. Girl, it's my pleasure, Danielle. You know I love you, and I'm going to do anything you ask me to do. That's good to know. I'll tuck that away. (laughs) Wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. Not just anything, but no, I'm happy to be here and um, I'm honored that you asked me. So I'm glad that our schedules worked together and that I could be here sitting in my closet with you today. Yes. I'm super excited to have you. Thanks. So before we dive into our conversation on creativity and inspiration, would you mind just giving our listeners sort of an overview of who you are? what you do, and and what brought you to this point in your creative career? So I am Dion Woods, owner and artist of the Turquoise Iris, and um, I am a mentor to creatives, mostly furniture artists. It's kind of morphed into canvas artists as well. Um, but I'm so it kind of morphed into that from going live on my social media platforms and connecting with my audience. And the questions started coming in, coming in and coming in. And I started gaining a little bit more confidence with showing a little bit more of my work, Danielle. Like, okay, uh, they're asking to see this. So this may end my career or it could launch my career. So we're gonna take that risk that leap of faith. Um, I'm going to show them that I'm spraying water on furniture. I'm going to show them what the tools that I'm using out of Matt's tool t- toolbox. Um, And I just started getting 98% approval and acceptance and encouragement. And that gave me the idea that I could possibly teach. And I had um, a mentor of mine who has become a dear friend, Debbie Beard, reach out to me in 2017 saying, I am obsessed with your work. Please try this paint. I have a clay-based paint. Try it out. See what you think. I told her, no, thank you. I'm not interested at this time. Yep, that's nice. I know. Um, Because I had so many paints, I had other paint from other brands and I just, I didn't want to just hoard it just because, right? So um, anyway, I, I, she asked me to teach in person and I cried and said, no, I cannot do this. This was 2017. So we're not that far away. Right. Um, But I did long story short, we can get into that later, whatever you want to do, Danielle. But I found out that I not only had a love for it, I was kind of good at it. You know, I kind of realized that's something inside of me just was started lighting up and I started stepping a little bit outside of the box that I had lived my whole life in safety. And I've since then trampled the box, booted it, kicked it off out into the ocean and said, never, I'm not going back in there. I'm living my life. And so um, I have a group called the Creative Connection on Facebook. Uh, 600 men and women. We do have men. Yay. Um, most are most are furniture painters. There are artists. There are um, a puppet maker even. And um, I have since started doing retreats and traveling around the country. I figure that's the greatest way to actually connect with my community is talking to them in person. Last year, we launched a the Turquoise Iris Journal, which is a digital magazine exclusive, exclusively to promote the artists of my community. I wanted another way that I could 
grab them, promote them, let them share their work, hear their stories. Uh, and then that morphed into the podcast called Paint Talks. So not only does the artist get to show off their work in the journal, but they get to talk about it with me on the podcast. So I have just be kind of morphed into a cheerleader for creatives. Um, I do weekly, daily videos on all of my social media platforms so I can teach, help. I have a line of tools and products and, you know, it's all encompassing and it's, um, well, it's a dream come true, really. And you are really good at teaching. And I can imagine it is a dream come true. You you always seem to just be loving what you're doing. And I think that's what pulls people to you. I really think that's what makes it so magnetic for everyone who watches you, because it's obvious you're having so much fun and they want to be a part of that. Thank you. I do love what I do. Most of what I do, the behind the scenes, I'm like the rest of you guys, the behind the scenes stuff, the, the paperwork, the taxes, the organization, um, all of that is something that is not my favorite, but I have worked really hard on my mindset, especially the last two years to actually say to myself, girl, you're going to do these taxes because you have some money to need to do your taxes. And so you need to look at it like I have a job. Exactly. And so I get to, so I'm switching my words to, I get to do my taxes and then trying to turn on some music and dance about it because if I didn't have anything, right, right. I mean, so it's just a different perspective. Um, it's all about mindset. Um, and I've learned that during the, in this community, it's, we have so much more than just a paint community. It is a life community. It's a support group. And I want women to know that they can step out of that stinking box and not go back in. Absolutely. I've had that same conversation with small business owners. So before I started working, you know, in my creative business full time, I worked as a tax accountant at a local office where we work primarily with small businesses doing small business accounting. And that was always one of the things, you know, no one wants to pay taxes. But then it was always like, you should get excited to pay taxes. That means you're making money. <laughs> Absolutely. I, it is true. You got to think of it like that. It's not like, I have to do them. I mean, nobody wants to pay their taxes, obviously. Right. Um, but the fact that you have money to pay your taxes means that you made money. And that uh, that's, that is a mindset shift. Yeah, definitely. So tell us a little bit about the beginning of your business. What led you to start doing what you're doing? Because you haven't always been a furniture painter, correct? Right. No, I um, I started out, well, we won't go all the way back to age 16, but I worked in retail. So I, I pushed myself out there into customer service and retail. And I think that's where I, I look back and think I was learning so much to bring me to this point. I was so shy and so intimidated by, pff, I don't know anything that moved. Um, and so putting myself in that position to work with customers who were a much older, um, had issues and, um, you know, issues saying with customer service, someone's always upset. Right? right. And so it's like, Hey, wait, let's get Dion on the phone. She can talk to them. So she has a way of talking to people. And I'm like, I do <laughs> because I'm not mean. I mean, what's the, I mean, what, how hard is this? I'm not mean to people. Like, it's not a hard thing, but I guess there isn't, you know, there was a knack for it. So then I shifted to uh, retail and I spent about 15 years doing that when Elijah, who is almost 20, my oldest, um, when he, when I was pregnant with him, I had me messaged my friend and actually I phone called. I don't believe we were texting at that time. I don't actually remember Danielle. <laughs> I don't know if I had a cell phone or not. I don't remember. But um, I messaged her and said, you know, you have this little retail store and I would like to work part time. 
when the baby's born and um, it's kind of a shift for me, but I would like to know. And she absolutely said, yes, be my assistant manager, blah, blah, blah. I'm opening a new store. As soon as he was eight weeks old, I went and worked part time. I stayed there for six years while I had Holden. And um, then I just kind of did uh, little piddly jobs after that. Not piddly. They were they were worth something. But um, I did a little took care of the kids at the at their nursery. I worked two years taking care of two and three year olds, changing diapers, potty training, um, putting beds, singing the ABCs every day like a rock star. It was so much fun. I love those children. I love those memories. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But at the time, I could work there and not have to pay their tuition. And so my kids got you know, away from home and with kids while, and I was there working. I didn't make diddly squat, but again, it was a, it was a time in my life that I wouldn't trade for anything. Um, and then I went and took care of my grandmother for a couple of years. I worked for my aunt and before she passed away. And so I was basically a caregiver for a while. Um, I was laid off a couple of times from, I mean, my, well, laid off. My grandmother passed, so my aunt didn't really need me anymore. Um, and then I went to another job and got laid off because I couldn't be the Saturday girl because I'm a mama first. Yeah. So the Saturday girl got laid off and that was me. Um, and I said, you know what? No more. And then she said to me, you know what? You're really too talented to be here selling shoes anyway. But this was my safety net. This was what I always have known, right? She goes, no, you're just, you're too talented. You need to go do. At the time I'd opened an Etsy store and everybody knew I was doing Etsy, but I wasn't really doing furniture at the time because that seemed huge and scary. And who in the world can sell furniture online? Not me. Well, um, when I got laid off, uh, Matt had actually just gone on his own as well. He'd been an electrician and still is. But after 15 years of being an electrician, he went off on his own. Well, we didn't know I was going to get laid off too. So within six months, we had both changed positions and we're both self-employed looking at each other going, oh my gosh. <laughs> like the stress and the pressure was, it was almost debilitating, really. It was. It was pretty powerful and debilitating. But um, we worked through it. We moved. We downsided. We, we downsized. We kind of started over. And at that point, when I got rid of the pressure and the stress of finances, and I could kind of start fresh. And that's what I did. We made a huge leap of faith and we downsized and we started from scratch so I could get my mindset in the right place of growth. I would not have ever grown if I had stayed where we were drowning, drowning financially and just like, how are we going to do this? Um, and there was just something about Etsy that did, it did everything for me, sister. It was years ago when there weren't that many furniture painters on there. I got in there at a good time in 2010. And um, I realized, wait a minute, this lady in Louisiana just bought my piece of furniture. I mean, could I run through the house any faster screaming and dancing? I don't know how I'm going to get it to her. We may be driving to Louisiana, but she bought it. And she paid $400 for shipping. And this was, what, 10 years ago. So there was a lot to figure out. And um after I started coaching on or, or teaching online and doing Facebook lives and people started asking, how do you ship this? How do you ship this? I realized it was a huge void and I could feel, I could feel it because I knew, I knew that I was still struggling. I knew that I still cried, but I could talk to people about it. I could share. I had no problem with sharing how I was doing it because Lordy, there's a, there's room for all of us out there. So that's kind of what got me to the, the part where my business really started to grow. And that was me connecting with with other people. 
Yeah. And you've, you've taken off in the past, I don't know. When do you, when was that? Was that point about four-ish, five-ish years ago? What would you say? I think so because um, when I started doing live video, uh, Jennifer Allwood was my mentor and has been for years. She was going live like every day on Facebook. And I joined her inner circle five years ago. And um, she also had me on a webinar. She, my first webinar, my first, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. I can't survive this. I'm I'm dead. I'm dead. Um, she contacted me. I, I said, no, thanks. I, or I didn't even reply to her. That's terrible. And she knows I didn't reply to her email because that's how scared I was um, because she had a hundred thousand followers and you got the wrong girl. I'm just little old Dion over here in OKC. Like you've got the wrong girl. And um, a week later, she messaged me again. So I did the webinar with her. I went through it. We talked. She was so down to earth. She made me feel so good. And she said, I don't know what I'm doing either. Like, this is my first one. Let's do this together. Um, but she said she'd found me on Etsy, on, on Pinterest first. And then she went to Etsy and saw that I was shipping furniture. And she was like, can you tell my audience how you do this? Sure. Well, two weeks after that, that webinar launched, the company I'd been using shut down. So that was real helpful. Wow. Whoopsie. Sorry, Jen. I just told everybody to go down and they shut down. <clears throat> but from there, um, I think really, Danielle, what exposed me to a broader audience was doing lives and Facebook. I am forever, ever grateful for Facebook for offering the option because I never had a store. I still have never had a store. So I use the screen as my front door. I connect with people. I try to make build relationships. I try to answer their questions. Um, and when they, when the the one percent comes on and was saying, "Why are you sitting on your garage floor? What are you doing? Who do you think you are? Um, this is so weird. Your kids are walking behind you." And I'm like, "I am not being paid. I am not being paid. I am doing the best I can." And honestly, I remember thinking, "I'd like to see you try it." I would have never said that, but I remember thinking. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'd like to see you try. How about a little decency here? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm trying to bust my tail sweating out here in my garage for, what, nine years before I've had an indoor studio? So I don't have a lot of um, patience for that type of behavior anymore because I, I coach you guys. I, I've seen you guys bust your tail and I've seen you have your hearts broken by people being hateful and you didn't deserve that because guess what? If it were easy, everybody would be doing it, but it's not, you're doing the hard thing. And that lights me up. So I've, I've more than once gone online and said, back off people, <laughs> unless you're going to do it back off because, um, don't judge me for this. Do you want to see me paint furniture or do you not? Like, this is as good as it gets. I would use like little $10 lights from the hardware store. Didn't know anything about a ring light for the first two years. had no idea there was such a thing. Um, so, you know, I think that's probably when it started growing was because I started showing up and then I started showing up every Friday night. And then I started uh, a group because I saw someone in Jennifer, Jennifer Allwood's group and it was Claire. Um, oh gosh, Clara and Clara. I was like, what? That's the coolest thing. She's doing this too. I think I can do it. So I looked over at Matt and I was saying this last night on my live. I looked over at Matt. So I'm going to do a membership group. And he's like, I don't have a clue what that is, girl, but you go. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to do a membership group because I think what I can do is I can teach more if I put people in this private group. Like I'll feel safer. They'll feel safer asking questions and it will just, it will just change everything. Yes. And then people were receptive. 
And then they joined and I went, oh, now what do I, again, what do I do now? I sold, it's just the same thing as selling furniture on Etsy. Like, oh, what do I do now? Do we drive this to Louisiana? Um, so I had this membership. People are signing up. Um, I, I also recorded like a little 10 minute tutorial and I posted it on Etsy one summer and I sold so many of that little $10, to $10 tutorial, Danielle, that it paid for our vacation that we were on that week. And I'm like, they really want to know, like, they're really going to pay me for this. It was just eye opening. My boys were becoming teenagers and they were saying, mom, we want to travel all summer and play far away. And I'm thinking, how do I paint furniture and pay the bills? Like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to. So the group allowed me to focus on my community, offer more, build greater connections and make a little income while I was sitting on the bleachers cheering on those boys. Yeah, that's great. That's, I think that's just awesome. So one thing that I definitely want to ask, because when you first started, I, have, I don't, I don't know. The, I mean, I know when I started seeing you and when I started seeing you grow as far as your presence online, but when you first started doing lives, mm -hmm. do you have that experience where you're going live and there's one or two people there and you're, kind of feeling out and feeling silly for being there. Did you have that? So um, by the time, Danielle, by the time five years ago, when I first started going live, I already had probably 20,000 followers. Okay. 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 I had already grown that. So I didn't have like the few people, but I will tell you this, it's kind of the same feeling. Um, the number would go up and up and up. And then all of a sudden the number would start going down and you're like, Oh, what did I just say? What did I just do? Oh God, this looks ugly. And I would say, guys, please don't leave yet. Like if you'll just, you'll just, and that's when I started telling you, you're going to have an ugly face here. Okay. And I started calling it the awkward teenage years yeah. because Danielle, I mean, I did immediately start having, and again, Danielle, also keep in mind, I was one of the very first people to do it in our industry. Yeah. So that's why I got a lot of questions like, wait, what are you doing? Like, is this live? Like what? Because lives were still so new. I was doing it before very many people were. Um, Jennifer was doing it. And so if they weren't following Jennifer, they didn't have a clue what this was. I was like, what does this thing keep showing up in my feed? Why does she keep talking? And why does she keep saying hello to people? Like it was so confusing for like the first year. So, but what did get me was when people would drop off and I would, in my mind, try to be talking, try to be reading and painting. And I'm thinking, do you guys know how hard this is first off to paint and talk at the same time? Yeah. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, nobody's paying me. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I stressing myself out, wondering who's popping on and judging me? Like, which, which family member or which friend is going to pop on when nobody else was doing this and think, wait a minute, who in the world does she think she is? I kept hearing that in my head. Like, why am I bothering with this? I don't know. Why do I keep subjecting myself to this? Um, but Jennifer Allwood just kept saying, do it, do it, do it. This is how you form connections. And I'm like, okay, I think she's smarter than me. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, she's much smarter than me. She appears to be for sure. Sure. So I'm going to go that route. Um, so you panic, you do, and you, you've, and uh, I told myself never watch my lives back and I don't. The only time I've ever watched my lives back is when Matt's had them on for some reason. I've been with Debbie Beard, who always watches them back, or Quita Allen, always watches them back. Yeah. So if I'm with them, they watch it back and I have to like plug my ears and go la, 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 because 
I will scrutinize myself. And I, I, you know, I don't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. But I know myself well enough to go, okay, I can't believe you said that. And then it will sit with me and it'll eat at me. And I'll think, what are they going to think? Did, did I offend anyone? Or did I, was that too silly? So I just let it go. Yeah. I don't watch it back. So I, did I even answer your question? You did. You okay. Because <laughs> I was saying like, I know, you know, being in your group and being someone that you coach and you tell us to go live and I have started doing that and I'm glad that I do. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, it's not very often that I'm sitting there talking to one person anymore, but mm-hmm. it still happens sometimes. And I joke all the time. I'm like, I'm just faking it. I'm faking it for the replay is what I tell people. You know, <laughs> somebody that's going to watch it later. It's like, at least, you know, they get all of me, even if they couldn't be there while it was happening. But, um, but that's stressful. And I know that I'm not the only one that has that emotion and it stops you from getting started. But for you to have experienced this growth, I figured you, you went through the growing stage as well. So whatever you can contribute to that conversation to encourage people. So my advice though, if you're in this situation and there's one or two people, better yet zero, keep going and ask yourself, when you watch a Facebook Live, if you stop, take time out of your life and you actually watch something, ask yourself what it is that you're watching. Why did you stop? Why are you watching? Who is it? What are they doing? Observe what they're actually doing that caught your attention and see how you, you're you learning. I mean, there's no college class on how to take a Facebook Live. So you're actually going to Facebook and watching it and educate, take notes. Um, are they asking lots of questions? Are they doing things? Did they tell me a few days before they're going live? Did they send me an email? Did they post it on social media? And did they get me excited about it? What did they do to get me here? And then figure out how you can incorporate that into your own lives. Yeah, that's, that is great. That is awesome advice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And before, uh, so I'm going to circle back to this because this is usually one of the first things that I like to ask. And I know that you do. Um, you're Enneagram type. You know, I'm an Enneagram geek. So I love to talk Enneagram. Would you tell us your Enneagram type and how maybe that has contributed to you being able to possibly do even better things in your business and connect with people better? So I am a three. I took the quiz about three years ago when I first heard about it. I think I heard about it through our girl, Kristen, Kristen Calhoun. And um, then I listened to a podcast with Jennifer Allwood and then Rachel Hollis. And so it was like, okay, what is this? I'm in. I've got to take this. So I took the free one. And uh, about three years ago, I scored a two with the wing three and um, made perfect sense for me. And, um, I, you know, had just begun coaching in my group. And so I was like, yeah, that, 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 that doesn't surprise me. Um, most recently in our empowered by design group, I have had Miss Hillary Kay come in there. And, um, before she came in, I thought I'm going to take that test again because it's been three years and I took it again and I actually scored the opposite, a three with a wing of a two. And so something in me had shifted, I guess. I don't know. Um, but that helped me understand when I learned what a three was, which is the achiever. It helped me understand why people laugh at me sometimes, Danielle, and call me, oh my gosh, you are such an overachiever. I'm like, oh my God. They'll say, you get stuck on some things. 
Or I still tell the story about being the Masonic winner in sixth grade because it's important to me. I worked hard for that. Yeah. Like it's, I'm the achiever. And so I end up at the end of the day, most likely valuing my, my day on what I got accomplished. Um, I'm competitive. I was beside, aside from being a three, I'm just competitive. I inherited that from my lovely mother. Um, <laughs> and so it helped me understand me, which helps me understand how I relate to other people. And the thing with me being a wing of a two, girl, if I can actually have an achievement and it helps somebody else, it's the ultimate. I'm like, are you kidding me? That makes perfect. That is me. So I felt like once I understood that in the Enneagram, I could stop apologizing or being ashamed for certain behaviors. Um, I could have possibly crawled across a table in a collared game when I was much younger because I'm that competitive and the person was cheating. <laughs> I could have actually got on the table saying, no, you're, I don't know. I, I don't remember that may or may not have been me. I don't really know. But um, with that being said, it has helped me. I think that as a mentor, I, it helps me when someone's, when someone that I'm coaching comes on and says, well, I scored a nine with a wing of a one. I, I understand immediately things start clicking with me and I understand what their needs are and how I need to coach them. I think it's a huge coaching tool. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I, I just, I love it so much. I'm, I'm a big self-awareness geek in general. Uh, when I was in college, I actually studied psychology. And so like getting people, that's, that's a, that's a thing for me. But like, I was, I was actually the same way. I took, I took it, the test whenever I first found it and it, I was a two. But then when I started wanting to get more into it and I started like reading the things and really like getting into the meat of the different types and the motivations was when I realized, oh, okay, no, I'm, I'm actually a three. I wing two. And I'm like you, if I can do something and the, the end result of that accomplishment is that it helped someone else. I mean, to me, that's the achievement. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly. what I'm going for. Exactly. Yeah. That's the goal. That is the absolute, I just hit the jackpot. When my achievement, say, say for me, like we publish a magazine and there's 20 featured artists, including yourself, young lady, um, including. So when I can do that and actually help that person, then it's like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. It's just like there's a there's a piece about you're doing the right thing, sister, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So this month, we're talking all about creativity and inspiration, how we draw and where we draw inspiration from, not only how we feed our creativity, but how we handle it when we come up against creative blocks. Mm -hmm. um, you have a very distinct style. I know that it, you have become super popular and all kinds of people, myself included, kind of try to replicate what you do in different ways. We want to learn how to do that. But it is it is your style. And the impressive thing to me is that even still, when you go do something new, it looks new and it still looks very distinctly you. Thank I you. don't feel like you're constantly repeating, you know, and not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I know that there's some people that they find their niche. They, yeah, they do it over and over again, but it's because so many people want it and they can and they love it. But you're constantly evolving your style. And that's impressive. Thank how you. do you, how do you do that? How, I mean, you know, we're, where do you draw your inspiration from? Well, I think art is kind of like a, it's a, 
you never get to your end. You never get to be the best. It's like an, a yoga practice. Um, you're constantly working at it your entire life. And so I think that as I've evolved, it's because I've continued painting. I've never really taken a break from it. I've just kept pushing forward. I've been open-minded about products. I've been open-minded about different tools to use. Um, and I think that you know, I always say there's, I don't think I'm better than anybody at art. I don't think I'm a better furniture painter than anybody. I just may have taken a further risk. I may have shown you that I took that risk um, because I might be 11 years into it, um, but you may only be two years. So who's to, who's to say that someone's better than the other one when you may work on it for two years and be a painter for 40 years and comparatively, how do you even compare? Like, there's no, there's no way to say that someone is a, a better artist. Does, does someone have more notoriety? Maybe, maybe they have a bigger following. Does that make them better? No. Um, maybe someone uh, has sold their paintings for $2,000. Does that make them a better painter? No. It just means they've sold their paintings for $2,000 or $6,000 or $20,000. How do you gauge what's better when it's all relative and it's all perspective, right? So opportunities come to people. And so at this point, I could say, yeah, I have, may have a bigger following than you, or I um, have gained popularity because I keep showing up. Like I'm not going anywhere. I just keep being consistent. And I think maybe that's the number one thing that has helped grow my business is that I just, I'm not going anywhere. I keep, I keep finding new ways of discovery. And, you know, when I started finger painting, I kept telling you guys, you guys got to try this. You're going to feel so embarrassed. You're going to feel like such a kid. But when I just get DIY paint, and I say the clay based paint, um, because it doesn't scare me or anything to have on my, I don't feel like it's harmful. So I will finger paint with it. But when I reach a point where I'm like, okay, I feel like I have nothing new to offer. I'm just, and that's happened a couple of times, but I didn't stop painting. It just means I changed directions. I did a whole series of just finger painting. I smushed it and tapped and just watched what my fingers could do. I splattered and then I would start over. And that reset starts in my mind and it works for me every single time. So I am so grateful when Q and I, Quita and I were on a Facebook, no, excuse me, a Friday night live. And we both agreed, let's finger paint tonight. What does that even mean? Finger paint. So we did it and it was so much fun. And then Josie Seifger bought it. And I was like, I sold a finger painting. It was just, it was fun. And I look back at it, I'm like, that's really a fun painting. And then Debbie Beard from DIY Paint said, you should try that on a piece of furniture. Yeah. And I'm like, what? That's embarrassing. They're going to laugh at me. But no, girl, I just turned the camera on and did a live and painted a bouquet on a piece of furniture. And then I realized, I think people will say, you know, Dion, you're really good at finger painting, but it's because I love it. It's, I, I think if you love doing something, people see that it comes across, comes across in what I'm doing and my work and my videos. So yeah, I love it. I was never allowed to make messes, nothing against my parents. I was not allowed to paint at home. I had never once painted at home, never, because paint is messy. So I was not allowed to do those kind of things. And so even though I still don't get paint on my clothes, I know, I don't understand why. I don't get paint. It's because of the way that I was raised to be neat. 
you know? And so I get that on my paint in my fingers and it's under my fingernails. And I'm like, I'm scraping and throwing paint. And that's, that's my wild hair girl. That's my wild hair. That's fun. (laughs) That is awesome. So when you do hit those, and so I, I guess your answer to the next question would be, then you just keep going when you hit a block or you start to feel like, just frustrated. I mean, does that happen that you get to the point you're just, you just get frustrated with what you're doing. And it's like, I don't know. I don't even know if I like it anymore. So let me give you an example. What happens for me is because I don't ever stop painting. I don't get in a block where it's like, I'm not inspired. I'm constantly inspired. And a lot of what inspires me are you guys. I see how hard you guys are working and you guys are trying to grow and learn and paint. And I'm like, that is just the motivation that I feel like I need. But what happens to me is I work really hard on, say, an an art series on Canvas, and it doesn't sell, girl, that nobody bought anything. So the two series that I've done recently, two of them, I've sold one from the series. I pour my heart into it. Tears, blood, literally blood at one on one of them. Um, You know, yeah, there, there. It, most recently, and I didn't change my prices. I didn't make them too high. I didn't do anything, but it, they're not resonating with my audience. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that's extremely humbling. And I could cry if I wanted to very easily right now, but I'm not going to, because that's the painful part. That's the part where you throw your heart into it and think, maybe I'm not that great. And you have to say, that's BS, sister. Right. It just hasn't found the audience. You're 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 still growing. You you started as a this is these are things I tell myself. You started as a furniture artist. You know you've only been painting on canvas for four or five years. So I don't have as large of a following looking at my artwork. And I even have to say to myself, you're still growing. You keep doing. You keep painting. And if you have to paint over them, you will. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's just, it's not a big deal, but it does, it does get to you. And I mean, within the last two months, I've literally been like, man, one out of those nine paintings sold. And that's really hurtful, but nobody's hurting me. It's just like, it didn't resonate with anybody. I paint my feelings. Yeah. And so if it, if nobody resonates with what I'm feeling at the time and it, and I'm not conveying that, then it's not going to sell. It doesn't matter what I price it as. So I'm constantly learning what I have to do is that's my problem, Danielle. That's the issue I get in. I don't necessarily get into a creative block, but I do get down when things don't sell. I just like, it's it's hard, you know, and it makes you analyze things and it makes you go to a, a dark space. And it's like, gosh, I got to get out of this. And I do, I do. I talk to people, I coach people, and that is all it takes. And I'm thinking, suck it up, sister. <laughs> Let's go. And that's what I do. I suck it up. Yeah. And that, that is the power of positivity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you, you have the negative thing that you're dealing with, but in the midst of it, you know, you, you make sure you, you start focusing on something else. And then when you circle back, who knows when you circle back around to it, next time you bring those paintings out, maybe they'll just be gone all in one fell swoop. Could be. I always think to myself, the person that needed these paintings, whoever I was painting them for just hasn't seen them yet. Yeah. You know, I did the series, um, the one, one particular series I'm talking about, I did some abstract faces of women and they're smaller. They're not expensive. They're between two and $300. There's one that might be 400. Um, but I painted them the week of the election girl. 
The week of the election, when the world felt like turmoil, when um, everybody was, it seemed at odds with each other, and it was emotionally very weighing. It was weighing very heavily on me because I a, am a mentor, but I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. I'm a mom. I just, everybody seemed to be, have so much conflict. So I painted that series that week and it was very, um, those were my feelings. You know, I, I have particular people in mind when I was painting a certain painting. And even though I wasn't trying to make the painting look like that person that was going through that emotion, it was conveyed. And after I was done, I was in a much better mindset after I had painted that series. And so it didn't resonate with anybody, but I needed to work through it. And I had the benefit of working through it on canvas. I think it's such a gift from God. Yeah. I so. 100%. I know. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. Painting, especially on canvas, <laughs> is typically a very emotional process for me. It's not a, because I, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I don't, I love taking classes and doing tutorials and learning new things, but like painting a thing is actually <laughs> not my thing. Does that matter? Like, I mean, does that make sense? Like painting a subject is is not something that is necessarily my lane. So I get it I with abstracts and the weaving and the colors and the, you know, and it's, it's very emotional. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is very emotional. I have most recently started playing music, whereas before I just liked peace and quiet because what I was painting was very vibrant and bold and very abstract. But most recently, my most recent paintings have been more calm. They've been more landscapes, um, mountains, and lots of texture is what I'm focusing on. So I've been playing music. So it's like I'm still balanced because I have the music going, but I'm painting something more softer and surreal. Whereas before it was the opposite. I had peace and quiet, but I was all the things and all the colors and very abstract. That's really neat. That's neat that it is the opposite for you. Yeah. Right now, that's just where I am right now. And it may be because I'm painting things that that convey peace because, um, you know, either I'm needing it or I'm just at peace more than I was during election time when I painted some really bold, wild abstracts because I was throwing paint sometimes aggressively. You know, it's just like this is where I am right now. Yeah, Absolutely. So I would love for you to talk a little bit and tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing with your in-person events and retreats. Because oh. that is, I mean, you're, you're taking what you have, your creativity, your inspiration, and you're sharing it with so many people. And as someone who went to your retreat last year, and actually Crystal and I spent at least half of the first episode <laughs> talking about our experience at the retreat, like that was incredible for us. And I know you've said that your goal is to do a lot more of that. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about that a little bit. So I sure will. So um, I offer these retreats and I, we just, last year was our first one. So um, the, the hard part was Danielle a pricing it. And I'm like, you know, Michelle always laughs at me because I'm like, nobody's going to come. <laughs> nobody's going to come. She's like, okay, yeah, nobody's going to come. Nobody wants to come and hang out and blah, blah, blah. So um, she's already on me, you know, because we're announcing the new, the new one tomorrow. So she's like, yeah, go ahead and just believe that nobody's coming. But I said, do you want me to be one of those people that actually says everybody wants to come? It's just <laughs> never, it's never going to be me. I'm not that way. So, um, Anyway, I, you know, we, we did one last year and I've only offered exclusively to my members of the Creative Connection, not because I don't want to offer it to the general public. It's because 
people that are in my creative connection are somehow already closer to me. They know my teaching style. They've already connected somehow with me online. Even if they've never made a comment, they've connected to me and my teaching style. So I started there and thought if I have to go out and offer it to the general public, I will. But um, I didn't have to. We had 50 tickets. They sold. Um, my goal was to create something I had never done, but that I've always wanted. I didn't do a church camp. I have never done a retreat. I literally had never gone to a retreat in my life until last year when I hosted my own. I've never been to a camp um, as a child. I would have never left my mama ever. Um, so these were just things that I have never done. But when I started teaching in person just for two or three, four hours, the impact that was happening and the connection, I thought I want to revisit that in like a four day thing. Again, I had never done one. I'd never hosted one. I didn't know how to do it. I was just doing what my instincts told me to do. This was the best thing for my peeps because I pay really close attention and I listen to everything. So we went and we had a fantastic time, didn't we? And we did, girl. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. I, I haven't told anybody this. I may have told two people. The night before... The teachers, you know, we were staying in a house together and the teachers were in the big house and it, we came Sunday the night before we were going to start the retreat on Monday. And I knew that I had to host an introduction like we had like from three to six where everybody was going to come in. We were going to do the meet and greet. And we were going to talk. And we were going to introduce. And I knew what I wanted to do, but I also didn't know what I was going to say. How in the world? I know I'm going to cry. I know I'm going to be like, I can't believe y'all are here. There's 50 plus all the teachers that had traveled across the country. It was mind blowing to me. And I felt like a warm blanket, you know, hugging me. So the night before I have a room to myself and I knew I needed a room to myself because I would need to do like, I would need to make sure my mind stayed clear. Um, with no, no distractions, I needed planning time. So I was in the shower, I'm washing my hair, and I started saying a prayer. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to say. And I've got to figure this out because in the morning, like tomorrow, I need to be prepared when people start showing up at three o'clock. And all these thoughts just started flooding my mind, Danielle. And I was like running and grabbing the towel and putting the shower. And I was like, I got to get my notebook. Where's my notebook? And I just pages and pages and pages of information just I started this is what I'm this is what I'm going with but I literally did not have a plan until the night before and I knew that I needed to again make everybody feel comfortable that was my main objective what would I need if I had gone to a retreat even though I'd never been to one what would I need and I think I have I have enough intuition to where I can figure that out because I do listen really well to people and so when we started, I reminded everybody that you are not here for yourself, right? I said, you are here for the person behind you, next to you, in front of you, because your story's worth it and they need to hear you. They need to hear your story. And I remember everybody just kind of like, what do you mean I'm not here for me? You know, not that, you know, just, just it, that was what, that was the message that I just knew I needed to convey so we could immediately get rid of the inhibitions and immediately get over everybody thinking, everybody's sitting here looking at me in my shoes. Oh my gosh, my shoes look terrible. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm having this frizzy hair. Like we needed to not think about ourselves. 
and realize we were there for each other. And that's where the impact was going to happen. And that's exactly what happened, didn't it? Oh, yeah. It was it was powerful. The whole week was very powerful. I'm looking forward to this year. I am too. I'm so excited. So with that being said, um, I have been doing workshops, you know, with Debbie Beard, and we've been traveling to some of our other retailers who sell DIY paint and just trying to bring business to their stores and bring community to them and bring awareness. And um, I think that's the three and the two working, right, from the Enneagram, because I want to help other people. and I don't mind being in charge. And it's the weirdest thing in the world. I don't, I don't actually mind being yeah. in charge or putting a microphone in my hand. I, I, it doesn't bother me anymore. And so um, I'm proud of myself. I, I really, I've put in the work and I'm, I'm proud of myself for being able to stand up. Do I still want to throw up? Mostly, yeah, I do. But um, I, I have learned to stop thinking about myself and thinking about the impact I can have on other people. And that's my priority. That's what I believe is now my responsibility. Well, you should be proud of yourself. It's incredible what you've done and what you're doing for other people. I Thank mean, it is, it's powerful and it's making a difference for so many people during, <laughs> during a time in, in the history of the world that we, we need that. We need the positivity. We need to, we need to refine our connections. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and nurturing that once they're there and not letting them die, the ones we had before. Um, so yeah, I mean, when COVID, when our, when our world was flipped up, upside down 12 months ago, um, I decided I had to go live every day in the creative connection. I just had to check in with everybody and say, I'm here. I'm struggling. You know, I had a senior didn't get to have a senior year in baseball. I had a senior wasn't going to graduate, do a graduate, a senior that wasn't going to do prom, all these events that he wasn't going to do. And so I would get on live and I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm crying again, guys. I'm sorry, but we're all here together. Let's go walk. Let's, let's work through this. Um, But I thought as a creative person, I can show up and I can make something for you and I can be here every day. So we know at least this is going to happen today at the same time. I didn't know what else to do. I don't have the answers, but I just felt like it was my responsibility. Um, and I know that many were grateful as I was also grateful for them showing up. I needed it just as much as everybody else. Yeah. That's great that you had that for folks that, that, you know, that needed that engagement that were stuck at home. I was, I was not in that crowd of people. Actually, I was one of the people who still had to go do something every day and actually had to, and not the other people didn't have to do something. I know a lot of people were just working from home and finding a new way of work, but um, you know, our, our store was closed. And then when it wasn't closed, there was still very little traffic. And so fortunately with, with, with what the government did provide as far as the unemployment benefits that I was able to get from employees, I did furlough some people because I knew that they would do better off than me cutting their hours and keeping them on payroll. Gotcha. And so it, it actually worked better for them. But what that meant was that I was, I was the one there. I was the one doing the things. Mm-hmm. And so my husband was like, can you keep this up? And I'm like, not forever, but I can do it for a while. So I felt like after that, truly, and, and this is truly, I am one of those people. And guys, this is just a little piece of advice. If you're ever in a membership group that you love, and you need to cut cost, don't give that membership group up. Because I did that last year. I think it was at the end of last year. Um, but I remember I was like, I needed to cut cost and anything that was associated with my business, especially I was trying to hone it in and 
I guess it was the year before. So not that long before the pandemic happened, mm-hmm. I had dropped out of almost every membership group I was in and yours was one of them. And then the pandemic happened and I did not have my communities to be mm-hmm. plugged in. So it was for me, there was the adrenaline of all that. And then when we were able to come back and everyone was able to come back to work and I was able to take take a step back again, I plugged in again. I was like, okay, okay I got to get back in here. Right. So, <laughs> so I think that was when I was, I saw that you were having the class in Georgia and I'm like, oh, that's close enough to me. I can go. Yeah. So I signed up for the class and then I was like, I need to get back in this group. So I got back in the group. <laughs> And then while I was in Georgia, people were like, oh, so are you are you going to the retreat? And I'm like, no, man, I wish I was. And it never even occurred to me that that was still a possibility because like right. tickets have been sold out for months. Um, but then I found out there were people who wanted to sell tickets. And what do you know? I got to go after all. And like the stark difference of the first half of the year, having all the craziness going on and not having that community mm-hmm. that, I, that I needed. Mm-hmm. And then when everything changed and going back to it and just the difference for me mm-hmm. <laughs> even yeah. in the past six months, as far as what it's done for me emotionally, what it's done for my creativity, you know, getting people back, you know, in my in my corner, so to speak, when it comes to, to all of this creative work. Yeah, it's insane. So, yeah. yeah, just a word to the wise folks. If you're ever cutting expenses, maybe don't look at your membership groups first, if that's something that's important to you, because. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see the difference. Period. Well, yeah. Well, we stepped up. We, uh, you know, that was something I think a lot of people needed. It was because we already felt so lonely. The ones that were having to stay home yeah. already felt so lonely. And we just needed that connection and needed to know, you know, I went live every single night too on my page, on my business yeah. page. Yeah. And people kept saying, Dion, I know you must be tired but I really appreciate you coming on here and doing this with us. And I'm like, okay, I really appreciate you too. Cause I can't stand disappointing people. Like I can't. Oh my God. So I'm like, Oh, Betty said, we got to go on. Honey. Betty said she needed it, honey. We have to go on. Like Betty said, but she needed me. You know, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't, I I can't ignore that kind of stuff. And I'm like, what am I going to gripe about painting, getting to paint for a few minutes? Whoopie do like suck it up again, sister. If people are expecting you, then you go do this. And so there's, that's just it. I can just keep showing up. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it's April of 2021. That's right. Me too. <laughs> I'm glad. And um, I'm, I'm thankful for the things turning green and I'm thankful for um, the grass growing and the sun coming up and the warmer weather is on its way. I mean, I'm here for it. I know. I know it is. It's a great time to be alive right now, isn't it? Heck yes, it is. It really is. <laughs> As we like to say all the time, it's a good day to have a good day. It's and a really good day to have a good day. Every day, yeah. So um, before we start kind of wrapping up, I would like to ask, like, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to someone who maybe still just has a hobby, but they really do want to make it a business? They mm-hmm. really, they see people like you and they go, that, that's what I want. That That's mm-hmm. what I want to do. Like, what's what would be the the one, if you could only give them one piece of advice, what would it be? <clears throat> That's a tough one, sister. You know that. Um, what I would advise someone just starting out. And, and it's, it sounds a little, this part sounds a little cliche to do you. Um, 
you know, people will say, stay in your own lane, find your own style, but then you're, you're new and you don't even know what your style is. So you don't know, you know, you're trying to learn from other people and you're trying to watch and you're trying to learn. So that part of it only goes so far, but the second part of that and the, the biggest part of it is to believe that you actually can do it and not for me, the the only thing that really set me back more than anything was my own insecurity. And it's why we work so hard on our mindset in our group, because if I could have had a different mindset in the beginning and had someone encouraging me and someone saying, yes, that feeling right there, you're not alone. I feel it. I'm going through it at the same time. And it's that um, if if you can just remind yourself or start really believing in yourself, find someone, find the people, find the group that gets you. That's my advice. And meaning share, open up. Like I, at one point, I would have been so embarrassed to tell you that I felt insecure, that I doubted my ability because then I would have thought she's going to know. And then I, I've lost her. I've lost her trust. I've lost her. You know, she doesn't um, maybe, maybe even respect. Um, and so swallow your pride, ask for help, be open, be yourself and live in that space because that is where your freedom is by just being you and saying, I'm learning. And that's the best I can do. And Reaching the point where you really don't care what the sister or the cousin or the, the parent or the sibling or the friend from high school, reaching that point where you don't care is, again, very freeing. And I don't know if it's maturity. I don't know if it's a, a confidence level, but it takes a while to get there. And maybe you're the person that has been confident from day one. Maybe you're the person that has always believed in yourself. Um, so you're going to have a struggle, but it might be a little bit different. Your struggle might be different. But um, my key advice is understand that you're going to have doubts. You're going to have insecurities, but it's normal, sister. You are not alone. And find a community of people that get you. Find a community who are going to lift you up. And if that community that you are constantly is surrounded by are the one, very ones breaking you down or shaming you or questioning, why are you even bothering with this? That is not your community. You can love on those people, but that is not the community that you need to surround yourself with. Um, and I know it's harder or it's easier said than done. Basically, it's it's easier said than done. But I have watched time after time somebody realize that the people they are hanging out with or spending their time with or sharing with are the very people breaking them down. And it's sad. It's sad. And so um, I don't know. That's a lot. Um, but it's it's a hard question because I have a lot of advice. You do. Um, a lot I of good advice at that. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope someone can get something from all that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Good. All right. Let's do some fun rapid fire questions. I'm not good at this part. Well, <laughs> you, can, you can always pull a crystal and say, nope, next one. Skip. Skip. Done. <laughs> I love her. Well, I love her. Okay. Oh, it was so fun. It was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
Um, okay, so what are you reading right now? Okay, don't laugh. Um, I'm actually reading a, well, the reason I bought it was because of the cover. So dumb. Um, but it it's, I look at this cover online and um, I got new books for my birthday because someone sent me an Amazon gift card and I'm like, books. Um, so design books or whatever, instead of buying design books, I bought books of flowers. So what I thought I was buying was a book of flowers. I was actually buying a, uh, a book by Frances Palmer and she is a very well-known potter. She's ceramic, you know. Okay. So on the cover, girl, this is why the cover of jacket book jackets are so important. It's turquoise. I don't know. I'm like, boom. And yeah. then there's vases, which the focus was the vases, but I was looking at the flowers <laughs> and the turquoise. So I bought the book because of that. Then I get it and I'm like opening it and I'm like, who is this Frances Palmer? I look at her on Instagram. I'm like, oh my gosh, she had like almost 100,000 followers. Like, who is this? <laughs> what I love about her, and I'm reading it cover to cover and I'm almost done with it. But I love her style and she's made a name for herself in Bloomingdale's and um, some of your really high-end home homeware shops. But her pottery is so imperfect. It's not proportioned. It's kind of falling to the side and it matches my aesthetic with my furniture. Like she loves color, but um, she tells about her workshop. She tells about what it's like firing. She tells about her process. And there's something that I just needed to learn something new. You know what I mean? Like I needed something that wasn't um, art related, but the reason it had flowers on it is because old girl has a garden outside and she grows her own flowers and then she puts them in her vases. And so I was, I've just been so inspired by her and I'm following her now on Instagram and I'm like, I'm a Frances Palmer person. And I'm like, I need to buy one of her vases. But um, so that's actually, I needed something a little off topic and I've enjoyed it a hundred percent. Yeah, I would never laugh at that. That sounds awesome. And I love the story of how you came to have the book. That's perfect. It well, was meant for you to have it, it. It was. And girl, on top of all that, at the very back page, she shows how she took the front cover photo. And it's just an old drop cloth hanging up on clips. And she painted it turquoise. And then she set the she set her pots with the flowers in it. And so she pans back and shows you on the back cover how she took the picture. And I'm like, she is like my person. Like she's, yeah. she's so, I just, I just loved it. So anyway, Frances Palmer, you guys check out her book. I'm writing it down. I'm going to go follow her. <laughs> check it out. Okay. So next question, are you, and I know you're not a big TV watcher. Are you watching any TV shows right now? No, ma'am. Nope. Not a one. No, ma'am. No time. No I time. That. I understand that. Yeah. You guys ever just like watch movies for fun? I know you talked about the fact that you don't really watch TV. That was something that you gave up to do what you do with your business. I did. I gave that up. Um, we will plan a movie night. And my thing is, I can't just watch any movie. It has to really grab me or I wander off and grab my phone and try to catch up on all my social media. Right. But I do love movies. And now that the movie theaters are closed, it's been much harder. We used to go to movies. Like I've seen you know, the boys, it was like in the teenage years, the only way I could get them to hang out with me for two hours was take them to a movie or you can bring all your friends. That's fine. Let's all go. Let's yeah. all go. Um, so, um, I do love movies and, um, my favorite being Forrest Gump. Oh, that's a good one. That's it just, a good one. Nothing has surpassed it yet. Like nothing has 
set um, set the, set the bar as high as Forrest Gump for me. Yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> okay. So. Aside from Paint Talks, because of course that is that is your podcast, which do you go back and listen? You probably don't go back and listen to the episodes in full, do you? No, honey, no. I make sure it's the right one when I upload it and then I'm out. And then you're done. There you go. Um, I'm, you know, I'm the same way. I'll, and I say that I sort of am not the same way because like I will go back, but I'll like scrub through to find what I need for something, whether it's the podcast or whether it's a live video. Because sure. I'm, I'm like, I just I can't listen to my voice that much. And I don't want to open up the door to pick it apart because I know I would. So exactly, totally girl. Don't. We don't. We don't deserve that. I know we don't. <laughs> we really don't. Know. We did the thing. We should be proud enough to walk away, right? Yeah. <laughs> move it on. Just move on. So, what podcast do you listen to, though? Oh, I um I listen to the Maker's Chat. <laughs> Yay! Oh my God, I'm so good. Um, but I also um I love Jenna Kutcher. Okay. Um, I like Jasmine Starr. Okay. I like Jamie Ivy, The Happy Hour. Um, you know, oh girl Annie Sloan, she told me about some podcasts when I had her on. And I went and tried to listen to the first one that she said is her favorite. And I could not listen. And I was like, nope, we have different tastes. We have different tastes. <laughs> I was like, she and she's got a great sense of humor. And so she likes things that are really funny. And what I'm listening to, like what I'm going for right now is more like, how is this podcast going to help me? I don't have time to waste on something fun. Right now, I want to know how this is going to help me and how do I do this and this and this. So those gals, those gals light me up. Those gals give me fire. Those gals like teach me stuff that I, that I'm just where I am right now in my life. Um, but I started laughing because Annie was like, go listen to that and, and tell me what you think. And I'm like, I can't tell her that I really didn't like it. <laughs> Because no one wants to tell Annie Sloan. I don't want to say, um, I don't like the podcast. Uh, it's a different taste. You know, we were, we're needing something different in our life at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I listen to those ladies. Um, I used to listen to Rachel Hollis quite a bit, but I've shifted kind of more to Jasmine Starr. Um, I don't know why. You know, you just, it's seasons. Um, yeah. And Jennifer Allwood. Uh, that's probably about it right now. I'm gonna have to check some of those out because some of those are names I have not ever heard before. Oh, um, girl, you know I, I've listened. I've been listening to Gold Digger for a while, so I'm, I'm familiar with with Jenna. But um, those other two names that you said, I'm, I'm just not as familiar with. So Jasmine Starr, she is on also Instagram, and she is very good. She is a um, she has a membership group. Um, she's in California, and um, yeah, you need to follow Jasmine. And then um, Jamie Ivy. I met her in person at, at Jennifer Allwood's home. She was one of the speakers at her event. And so she was at her house and um, she's actually the only person I had taken a podcast class from. And so we sat in there and I asked her, I don't remember why I asked her, what I asked her. I think I asked her, first off, let me just say that I was so proud of myself because I raised my hand and asked a question. And that's this, yeah. was, this was only two years ago. And I was like raising my hand and she's like, yes. And I said, what do you think has made your podcast as successful? Why do you think it's been successful? And Jamie answered. So she said, great question. Um, but I think it's because I'm so real. I'm raw. And at the time she was releasing her book that was like, if you only knew. And I bought that book and I read it and it was very raw. And it was like eye opening on, she told 
her deepest, darkest secrets. And I think that must have been the most liberating thing for her, but also brought in so much of her people uh, that could say me too, the type of me too behavior. Uh, oh, you know, and so um, Jamie Ivy. I think she's been on all woods, you know, she's an interesting podcaster. And what I love about her is she became a podcaster because she won a DJ opportunity in her town. She'd never done, she'd never done anything like that. She's a mom. She was like, you know what? I'm going to go down there and try to be a DJ. And so they hired her and said, you win. And so all of a sudden she was like a DJ and then she started her podcast and it was just totally off chance. Really wow. fun story. Really fun story. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check those out. That's cool. All right. So some silly ones. What was the last thing you ate? Oh, I ate right before I came in here. Um, granola. Granola. <laughs> granola with a little bit of Oklahoma honey and some cinnamon. And, of course, my hot tea right here. Nice. What will you be doing as soon as we finish recording? Oh, guess what? I scheduled two hours to paint today. So as soon as we're off here, I am sprinting to the studio in there and I'm going to, um, I'm going to work more on the canvas I started last night on Paint Talk. And then I have a blank white canvas that I have plans for. Fun. I know, I know. I didn't paint anything last week and haven't yet all week. So um, yeah, I'm excited. I get that. I get that. When you're doing other stuff, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I get to paint today. Oh, it's it's so funny. I mean, I paint when I'm on live videos, but, right. you know, with my music on and being quiet and um, no interruptions because I'll put my phone down. Um, but tomorrow we have a big day because I've got to a teach in the Creative Connection, but then I've got to announce uh, where we're going in the retreats and how much it's going to be and all the details. Um, so I need to make sure all that's finalized, but I'm going to put that off until tonight. Awesome. And finally, <laughs> where would you go tomorrow if time, money, and resources were of zero consequence? Okay, you get me to um, you get me to turquoise water. So let's see. This season is April. It's probably warming up down in the Caribbean. I've never been there, um, but let's just go further. Let's go to the Spain. Let's go to Spain the i don't even know how to say the word where all the pretty buildings are next to the blue ocean and all the white buildings those of you i'm sorry i don't get out much okay i'm an oaky girl and i haven't traveled much um but i would go there because um there or somewhere that's like totally tropical aruba barbados you know our our um our focus for issue three is Barbados. So I've just, I've always got turquoise seas on my mind, even though I don't want to get in that water. <laughs> You're not an ocean water girl or? No, I, I don't necessarily want to get in it. I'll get close to it and let it touch me. But um, I, I, I'm okay if I can see in it. I'm just one of those people that's never really comfortable in a swimsuit. I'm never really comfortable um because I burn like crazy. I mean, I think that you and I could probably relate there. Yeah, um, yeah we're, we're fair skinned sisters. And so, um, you know, anyway, that's, that's <laughs> probably what I do. What about you? Tell me. You know, I thought about that the other day. I thought, you know, I'm not even sure where I would go. But I think if I truly just like whatever, I think I would go to Greece. And, and I couldn't even tell you all the reasons why, except that anytime I ever think about the coast of Greece or I see something that's set in that area with that aesthetic, uh -huh. I just think I want to be there. I want to be yeah. there. I want to walk those old 
you know, brick streets and see all the color and yes, it just looks awesome. So. It does look beautiful. I think that, that, that's uh, that, yep. Let's put that on my list too. Okay. <laughs> um, so what did you just eat before you came on the last so, thing you ate? Actually, my husband ran out to treat us to Chick-fil-A for lunch today. So I had my, my lunch from Chick-fil-A, which was the, the nuggets which is weird because I would prefer a sandwich, but I found out about a food allergy last year and I can't have bread anymore. So, Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that, but sure. You got to avoid that now. Um, so when you get off of here, what are you going to do? When I get off of here, I am, I'm also going to be painting. Well, actually, no, I'm not going to be painting. So it's that we're recording on a Thursday and I go live on my Facebook page at eight 30 on Thursday nights. And I'm currently by the time this airs, it'll be done. And, for sale, but I'm currently working on an Enneagram series. So we're working on the type eight piece right now. And when I get done here, I will go do some prep work on that canvas so that when we get go live tonight, I can start weaving on it. Who's your guest for tonight? One of my really good friends from college. Her name is Tara DeSantis. And so she's a type eight and she is a mama of twins and a seven year old now, little boy named Blaze, seven or eight. Um, and so anyway, she's, She's pretty awesome, and Super. I'm excited to have her come on and talk about being an eight. I'm sure. That sounds pretty fun. So um, I can't remember the first question, so I won't ask you it because I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming on here with me today. I really appreciate it. It has been so much fun talking to you. Girl, you're more than welcome. Thank you for talking to me. I'm always on the other end, so um, it always feels a little bit weird talking about myself or, you know, but. Anyway, I appreciate you very much. Of course. Glad we did it. Thank you. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. Remember to check out the Makers Chat community so you can dive deeper into the conversation. You'll find the link to join in our show notes. Have a beautiful week and we will chat again soon.